Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail, had to fall, just for what I did well. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, Ashes Daily, kinda, sort of, extra edition um, last night. I'm Jeff Lemon, that's Adam Collins. We were here, we were recording our daily show. You know, nice and easy, straight up to stumps, do it as you do. Yep. Finished it up, all good, day sorted. Uh, who are they talking about retiring? Oh, Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad's retiring. Good Good that we didn't mention that at all on the program. Uh, decided not to re-record it. We decided he deserves a quarter hour of his own. Um, probably He's probably earned that for the 602 wickets so far. Uh, quite, it, it, it did take me by surprise last night. Yeah, um, I got a message when we walked out of our recording saying, Stuart Broad's going to be at the pub later. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? No, of course he wasn't. Uh, still got a day or maybe two to go in his um, international career. But it all makes sense the more you think about it. He's been a player who has bridged the 2005 Ashes to this one. He's played in every Ashes Test match in England since here at the Oval in 2005. That is to say, five consecutive series, all five test matches. He was born to bowl in the Ashes, so it only makes sense that having that performative streak about him that he always had front and centre, that he would choose a a venue like this, which has been the traditional farewell venue for test cricketers, both English and Australian, for that matter, over the journey, going all the way back to Bradman and before, and in more recent years, Alistair Cook memorably here in, in 2018. And Broad knows how to pick his moments and realised, as he said himself a couple of days ago, that even if he might have had more test wickets to take yet, and there might have been another hundred there for him, you know, who, who, 
given how well he's bowled in this series, those ashes-defining moments that I'm sure we'll come to, he's had a couple of those going back to the first test at Edgbaston, uh, picking up two wickets in two balls, reinventing the outswinger, all the um, the pre-series hullabaloo, getting Labuschagne with it, the number one player in the world at that juncture, first ball that he faced in the series with mm -hmm. that exact delivery after getting David Warner the ball before it, his old nemesis, and running over an orbit, jumping into the holly stand. He's given us so many moments in this series, and I'm glad that he's doing it on his terms. I, I think, you know, for a show that started in Australia with an Australian audience, that's the perspective that, that we had initially. Um, there's the, the broad Australia relationship has been such a potent one. Um, and I think at this point, now that he's decided to pull the pin, there would be a lot of respect from Australian cricket watchers that, that, that this guy has been such a competitor over such a long period of time, that he's never backed down, that he didn't shirk coming out to Australia when it, where it was harder to try to make an impact, that yep. he did have good test bowling spells in Australia. He didn't get wild success. I mean, he played a couple in the 2010-11 series, so he has that on his CV, um, but went through some, some very tough tours as well and kept coming back for more. And, and even though there was a, a lot of antagonism at times between Australia and between Broad, I think you look at a player who's taken more test wickets against that country than anybody else, you can't, you, you can't deny uh, the respect for the career that he's put together. Yeah, 151 Ashes wickets. I agree that he's had some tough days in the dirt in Australia. I remember in 17-18 him copping pelters, but... Yeah, maybe the and it's the cliche Just, and probably should have set up a win in, at Brisbane. To be honest, so the, yeah. the one in 2013 when he takes six for on the, yeah. the first day carries the Courier Mail under his arm into the press conference. I mean, again, yep. it's a little bit cliched and hackneyed about Broad, but um, him being like an Australian um, and playing cricket like an Australian. Uh, but I think there's something there. The fact that he had some of his most formative moments at Hoppers Crossing, playing in the VTCA, and I've played against Hoppers in the VT. That is intense. <laughs> cricket on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. He was there as a, a teenager and he often reflects back and it's refers like back. more Dennis Hopper's crossing, <laughs> putting a screwdriver in your ear. Well, not a million miles away from that in that competition. Um, it is intense cricket and I guess he, he learnt how to play against Australians and then, um, and then he translated that through to the mm -hmm. top level and I'm sure that's why he saved his best for these contests. And, you know, his longevity as well. We spend a lot of time um, discussing uh, Anderson and thinking that Anderson is the modern day Richard Hadley. Andy Zaltzman had a series of magnificent stats on Test Match Special last night. One of them is that Broad's last 204 Test wickets have come at an average of 24. I mean, his average has got progressively better to stay with the Zoltz theme from before. He averaged with the ball 40 after his first 20 Test Matches. It was with the bat that he was averaging less than that. Sorry, rather, nearly that much again. He was, after I think 25 home Test Matches, he had a higher batting average at home than Wally Hammond, um, an average of 39. Um, huh. So, you know, there was and this... Probably his downstairs was in better order. I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Um, but, you know, there, there, there are all of these moments in Broad's career when he was finding his way. He didn't quite know what he was. Was he a, a, a seam bowler who was turning himself into the next Andrew Flintoff? Mm. Uh, was he going to ultimately become an England number six? Was he a strike bowler? Did he bowl short and nasty? Was he Did a change he... bowler yeah. who would bowl bang it in like you're saying? And it took him a long time to realise that no, he's every bit as good as the, 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 the strike bowlers, mm -hmm. the, the new ball bowlers around the world. And, uh, you know, it took 18 months to two years to get to that point. And really... A lot comes back to this ground in 2009. He, he spoke really well last night, went down to his press conference, and he talked about the significance of the Ashes in his, his cricketing imagination. He's, he talked about growing up, watching England getting beaten. Um, and this was, this was what really stood out to me, this comment. He, he said he, he personally wanted to help 
change that. Yeah. Him watching, like most people who, who watch their team go through a rough patch as a kid or as a teenager, you're a supporter, you want to get behind them, you want to see them do well. But to actually say, no, no, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to go and get good enough at cricket that I will be able to beat Australia in Ashes matches. And that's exactly what he did. It's an extraordinary thing to say in, in a lot of ways that he had that. I'm sure it was a dream and sure it was a long way off, but to have that thought process to begin with. And in the family too, right? Like he'll, he'll have grown up knowing that his old man played important defining Ashes innings on that tour of Australia in 86-87. Yeah. I suppose that makes it a bit easier to think that maybe you might one day do the same. Um, family was probably an influence in the decision to retire as well. He was yeah. asked about that and, and he, he seemed a little bit surprised at the question and then said, actually, that's a good question. It probably did, the fact that he's recently had a child and and that being able to spend more time at home with his, with his kid as a small child is going to be more important. I mean, he would have been looking at like probably not going to India later this year had he stayed on. I'm sure England would have contracted him again to go around again next summer if he'd wanted to. Um, and maybe that would have meant phasing out James Anderson. Maybe this gives Anderson an opening to stay on um, longer or, or strengthens his case to do so because one of the two old stages is making way and it's not Anderson. Yeah, he said a couple of things about Jimmy. He said that he told him yesterday and, said, you know, I'm done, mate. And, and Anderson didn't initially believe him. Um, so... Um, you know, of interest to me that Anderson at least thought Broad was going to keep going. And why wouldn't he? Again, going back to the results stat splurge from last night. Seven test matches on the trot this year. This year, where he took five wickets or more, which is another record that Broad has. And, um, you know, it was never a case of thinking that this was going to be it on the basis that his form had deteriorated. He's right towards the top of the Ashes wicket takers this year. Um, you're right, he may not have gone to India, but... He could have gone around again next year and done an entire lap of honour. And no one would have begrudged him against Sri Lanka and the Windies and played every test match. He walked into a press event uh, before this series. Um, it was one of those roundtable press events. I was reflecting on it with a colleague last night where he said, well, look, I might only play one Ashes test. I I'm available for all of them. I'll be fit for all of them. But I'm mindful of how many younger bowlers there are in the country who they might prioritise above me. But if I do get one opportunity... I'm going to make it count. Mm -hmm. If I do get one chance, yeah. I'm going to make sure that it's an influential one. He was um, listening to Eminem before that. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. So he plays against Ireland, bowls the house down on that first morning. I know it's a, a lesser opposition, uh, a less strong opposition, but he's still he got to take the wickets and running down from the pavilion and didn't have Anderson playing in that game and, and look the attack leader. They pick him for Edgbaston, as you always said they would against Warner, and you're right to say so. But there, there was a you know, sliding doors moment there. If they don't pick him for that first test, if they do go for Mark Wood, who mm. allegedly was fit for Edgbaston, then we could have a very different conversation right now but instead Broad um, has oh sorry and to go full circle on that anecdote apparently when he's stepping up after the microphones went off he goes but I reckon I'll play more than one <laughs> you know it was very broad you know <laughs> always knows that um, he's got the media in his palm and that, that's a big part of him as well as recently as two days ago switching the bales around on Marnus Labuschagne getting the wicket the following ball you know reinventing the outswinger this year that there yeah. are so many touchstones with Broad the Entertainer oh I mean there always have been there, there have been so many moments of ridiculousness over the years I mean I, I always enjoyed the fact he came and played for the Hobart Hurricanes yeah, just yeah. after the 2013 series so when all of Australia was maddest at him after the Trent bridge oh yeah to slip um for the record as we said before he didn't edge it to slip he edged it into the keeper's pad and the ricochet went I, to slip i watched it last night i watched it again last night after he retired 
he it did deflect off off the keeper, hmm. but boy, he hit it the first slip. The <laughs> angle on it, the angle on it from Ago was he was placing even if it didn't hit yeah. the keeper on the way through, hadn't it was going straight to Michael Clark at slip. Um, but that, you know he brazened it out, didn't he? And sure. if you've gone through a bit, maybe you would like yep. the six sixes from Yuvraj Singh as a twenty one year old. Brad asked him a great question at the media conference last night, and he talked about that was a turning point for him as a younger bowler, finding a way to get into what he describes as warrior mode and being able to mm-hmm. you know um, it, it change gears to make sure that he wouldn't let batters get on top of him in quite the same way. Yep. And and he has it was interesting sort of looking through the numbers. I mean he has a slow couple of first couple of years to his career. It takes him a while to gear yep. up. He has that big performance at the Oval in 09. And even if you look through his, his Ashes series in England, there are usually a few quiet test matches and then the one big performance, you know, the the, the ten for at Durham where he takes the five and the six. Um, obviously the eight for fifteen in two thousand and fifteen. So there's the 09 spell, the twenty thirteen spell, the twenty fifteen spell, each of which wins a test match. That seals the ashes for for England um, and that Durham game it's, it's one of only three 10 wicket matches in his career so he, ta- yep. he has a couple against the Windies and that one against Australia that's it so even when he takes 8 for 15 he only gets one in the next innings he's, he's this burst bowler who doesn't necessarily back it up both times but he has one withering moment where he can influence a match and so often in one spell so yeah. you know you could take a five for or a six for he was a six for kind of bowler yep. took a lot of six for Stuart Broad but invariably the five or six of them would come in one burst from one end and you know again the cliches about the legs pumping and the tail up and all the rest of it but you knew when it was happening he'd fire up the crowd and he was away um, I was there at 2015 at Trent Bridge on morning one sat front row of the press box next to Greg Baum who's seen um, so much test cricket covering it for the age for you know 40 odd years and and, and bowling Australia out for 60, having his Fifer um, captured within three overs with the ball. It was his 300th test wicket with his second wicket of the day, I reckon. No James Anderson, because Anderson was injured, on a, on a test match that was going to decide the Ashes. And the fact that that was the third time he achieved that. You were there at Durham in 2013. I remember watching at the Oval on telly um, in 2009 when he was a much younger man going through Australia, yep. hitting the stumps, bowling genuinely quickly. Um, and that's, that was the turning point, wasn't it? When from 2000, and, and the one we miss out of this as Australians, I reckon, it's the Johannesburg spell. Um, in 2016, 15, 16, but at the start of 16, there's a bit of chat that, oh, wasn't that great what Brody did at Trent Bridge, but his returns have been diminishing thereafter. Sure. Australia got on top of him in the final test, didn't have a good start to that series. Takes six for 17 in a test that's in the balance, in one spell, rips the hardest Africa there, mm-hmm. wins the series, and he set himself, that's his favourite spell. It's not the, the trilogy of Ashes winning efforts, it's yep. him beating South Africa at the bull ring on a Saturday afternoon with all the pressure on top of him at the time and being able to dig it out and bowl genuinely quickly as he did the first time he went there back in 0910. And there is a there's a disproportionate Ashes focus on Stuart Broad, 150 Ashes wickets, sure. There's the other 450 wickets that he took yeah. around the world as well. The longevity is absolutely extraordinary. There's If there's one number I'm slightly disappointed about here, it's that he'll retire on 167 test matches. Ricky Ponting and Steve War 168. Surely you go one more just, just to sit with, you know, with, and, and make a great Ashes triumvirate across the two different countries. Um, so that leaves him. It's only War, Ponting, Anderson, Tendulkar ahead of Stuart Broad in terms of tests played at the moment. Right. He went past Jack Callis with this test this week. So to be in the top five, I mean, and Anderson's in there as well, two in the top five as fast bowlers is genuinely extraordinary. I mean, their fitness and dedication to rocking up week after week, season after season, uh, do the pre-seasons, do the tours, get ready, get fit, 
have injury breaks, do the rehab and come back and go again and go again and go again. Um, I'm, I'm pleased for him that he is able to pull the plug while th- there's still a bit of juice in the battery. And look, central contracts are a big part of that story. Um, that, that he comes around, he's uh, you know, making his way playing for Leicestershire. Uh, well, the first time I saw him play for Leicestershire was 2005 against the touring Australians. He got Gilchrist and Brett Lee, I remember that being there. As this young bowler, I was sitting with my mate, um, uh, the late Patters, who, who said to me, this is Chris Broadson, he's really good. Um, and watching him as a teenager, um, that was the, the match where a bunch of Australians made tons and Chris Rogers made one, made a double for, for Leicestershire. Jason Crazier was playing in that game. I'll was have he? you know, playing for Leicestershire as well. Um, Does that make me crazy? Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, seeing him there and, and having an interest in him from that point on, knowing that it was this young English bowler with this pedigree with his dad who yep. um, who would be worth keeping an eye on. And, and, and so it was. But yeah, like the, the domestic cricket, the one day international cricket, having played a multitude of World Cups, being a member of England's first men's World Cup winning side in 2010 as a T20 player, he captained that T20 team for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Champions Trophy of 2013 when they made the final and that team did, for what it's worth, end up the number one ranked one day side in the world for a time when Broad and Anderson were still leading the attack. Yep. And they're, 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 I think they're still the two highest wicket takers in one day cricket for England ever, Sounds if not right, they're, yeah. they're near enough to it. So yeah, it's the test longevity and it's everything else helped by central contracts, helped by the way they were managed from the 2015 One Day World Cup onwards being test only, but that's a lot of cricket. That's well, a lot of balls bowled. Also, both of them on their Crick Info profiles, the little profile photos, they're in their One Day kits, not their right. test kits, yes. which is a quirk that I enjoy. Um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. But for me, the thing, the main thing about Stuart Broad was he was a writer's delight. When, yeah. when you're writing about cricket, you're, you're trying to come up with ways to describe things that might be fresh or different or original you're trying to you find ways to describe people that have a little bit of extra zip to them and it was so easy like he made it he made it so possible to come up with different ways to talk about him you know this particularly as as a younger guy when he genuinely looked like a 10 year old sort of on top of an an adult's body you know I remember describing him as as Draco Malfoy on stilts Um, I remember I remember describing his batting against Mitchell Johnson as like one of those inflatable guys outside the car wash you know (laughs) the way he'd kind of wave his arms around and collapse under the ball and and all the rest of it or or, you know getting to write about him that's Bell at Edgebaston about when he's running in late in the day and he's still so sort of tall that, that his own shadow is jealous of, of how stretched out he is. It, it's, he gave you, he was such a physical kind of comic um, as well as being a, a, an imposing athlete. There was always this comedy to Stuart Broad as well. He was a funny, 
cricketer. He was a charismatic cricketer, and, and it was he was distinctive. It was so easy to write about him or speak about him in a way that was interesting because the starting point was interesting. And he was curious and articulate. Um, he, he came in before the 2019 Ashes and explained how he'd been doing all this work with the data from CrickViz and the pitch mapping, and he realised what he what he needed to do next in his career. He, he was always one step ahead on that front. And I felt a bit sorry for him in 2019 during the World Cup. There were these great shots of the dressing room, Knots were playing a four-day game, and Broad, when they take, well, when they win the World Cup in extraordinary circumstance in the Super Over, him going absolutely wild. He loved it so much. He loves cricket so much, but not being part of it, mm. yet being so integral to the England story, but off playing a county game concurrent to that. It, it's all the more gratifying that having been dropped from the England side last March in the Caribbean, for all money he's gone, right? He and Anderson are being pensioned off until there's the reset through Rob Key, Brenda McCullum, Ben Stokes, and he has an opportunity to end on such a high note from one in 17 wins that we always come back to as that reference point yep. to winning, was it 11 of the next 12 or 11 of the next 13, something like that, and now on the cusp of being able to, to square a series to all that they were 2-0 down in. Um, yeah, they're not going to win the Ashes this time. That would have been the perfect send-off, but having the chance to enjoy a dressing room that feels like it's just the most exciting place yep. in the world to be in. You know, he, he, I think we all know that he was going to retire last year after Trent Bridge. It was an open secret that he was going to be on TV commentary as early as the, the Leeds test last year, but he walked in after that Trent Bridge chase with Bairstow and Stokes said, I'm not leaving. Yep. This is too good. This is too fun. This is too fun. I need to be part of this. Yep. And then he has, a, as and, I said, an, an excellent 2022-2023. He would have been part of some utterly miserable England dressing rooms yeah. over the years before that, that sort of grim-faced professionalism of that late flower era and the, you know, the absolute shambles of the Silverwood era and, and other points in between when they were a pretty unhappy lot. Um, to be hanging around. There would have been some very grumpy people. There would have been some, some very uh, fraught relationships. And so I guess to be able to say, I'm going to end it at a point where all of us are enjoying what we're doing, that, that seems to be a pretty good idea. And there is this romantic piece to it as we finish um, here at the Oval either today or tomorrow. It's that, you know, Walsh and Ambrose walking off together here in um, in 2000, an iconic image of the Oval. Uh, so it will be when Anderson and Broad both walk down the steps to bat together this morning. Yep. Um, there'll be a guard of honour. It'll be a beautiful thing. Um, Jimmy Anderson, he says, um, pushed him. That there was a natural competitive tension between two fast bowlers of a similar vintage. Yep. Um, they had this symbiotic relationship in a way, Broad and Anderson bowling together, never really getting choice of ends with Anderson seen as yep. the senior and better bowler. Um, y y that's a very subjective thing, but I suppose with Anderson's record over time, he had that, that status as the senior bowler. So being number two in that in that duo can't be easy mm. for him, but the fact that they're so close and the romance again of them having the chance to walk off and bowl together one final time in an Ashes Test match, it's a lovely way for it all to come together. It's like, it's also like a last little bit of trolling Australia. He's like, haha, you're going to have to give me a guard of honour. I'm going to come down and try to whack a couple more sixes to finish off my test career. It might be over in one ball. It, it might last for a quarter of an hour and be fun. Who knows? Um, and then he's going to bowl. And to he's David bowl Warner. David Warner. And David <laughs> Warner is going to be coming down the steps going, come on, give me a break. Like, I, this can't be how it goes. Well, it might be Warner's last test too, right? Uh, no, how fitting would it be if those two duked it out for an hour? You know, and Warner gets through a tough passage of play against Broad, or alternatively, uh, if Broad knocks him over and, and that puts a full stop on their, um, their, their wild and wonderful story. Their, their long, long competitive, well, at times competitive and at times less competitive um, tension between each other. All right, 
we better, better go and uh, call the cricket. Yep. So this has been the final word. Stuart Broad, special edition, <laughs> daily. Why not? Why not? We've made a million podcasts the last two months. It was always time for one more. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. If you like what we're doing, patreon.com slash the final word. We'll see you at Stumps. Bye. I had to go.